Coming up on Golf Today, Nellie Corda makes her return to competition at the U.S. Women's Open at Pine Needles. You'll hear from the Rolex number two about the state of her health, her game, and expectations for the week. Someone else is back too, Annika Sorenstam. It's been 14 years since she competed in a major championship. The 72-time winner on the LPGA Tour will be talking about what she expects this week. And why not one more comeback? Bryson DeChambeau is back inside the ropes at the Memorial after starts and stops after hand surgery. Our Todd Lewis with an exclusive interview with the 2018 Memorial Champ coming up on Golf Today. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. And the semifinal matches are set for the NCAAs out at Greyhawk. Number one seeded Vandy takes on number four Texas, the defending champ. And number six seed Pepperdine gets the host school ASU College Central at 4.30. Coverage at 5 p.m. Eastern right here on Golf Channel. This is Golf Today. Damon Hack alongside Eamon Lynch of Golf Week Magazine. I'm watching these youngsters carrying their golf bags. My heart's beating for them. They continue to hit up, step up, hit some fantastic golf shots under pressure. Are you feeling as old and creaky as I am right now? That as well, that? yes. Well, you know, it's not often we get great golf on a Tuesday in this game. We had certainly had some on Monday as well. And it's, it really promises to be a bumper week here because we move on from the NCAAs to the U.S. Women's Open and to the Memorial Tournament, which is always one of the top quality fields on the PGA Tour every week. It is a fantastic time of year. We do set our sights on the 77th U.S. Women's Open presented by ProMedica. The championship returns to Pine Needles Lodge and Golf Club for the fourth time. Now, the last visit was in 2007. Christy Kerr took home the trophy that year. We're going to gear up for the second women's major of the year, an embarrassment of riches in terms of storylines heading into that opening round on Thursday. Now, arguably the biggest story heading into the week is the return of Nellie Porta. Last week, Nellie announced on social media that she will be teeing it up at the U.S. Women's Open. This will be her first start since the beginning of February. In March, Corda was diagnosed with a blood clot in her left arm for which she had surgery. And with that, we say hello to Amy Rogers, who is at Pine Needles. Amy, how is the Olympic gold medalist approaching her return to competition? Well, Nellie Corda is making her return to competition here at the U.S. Women's Open. It's her first start since February after undergoing surgery to have a blood clot removed in her arm. And the world number two looked a little nervous as she met with reporters today for the first time outlining what happened back in March. She said she simply felt a little funny and reached out to her doctor who advised her to go to the emergency room. It was there that she was actually diagnosed with that blood clot. She said she underwent surgery about a month later and then underwent extensive rehab in Carlsbad, California before making the decision when and where to return to competition. I didn't want my first event back being the U.S. Women's Open, um, but, you know, I wasn't kind of, I was just more of thinking, like, I want to be 100%, and that's all I was thinking. And then when I was 100%, I was going to set my eyes on what event I could come back at. Yeah. Look, on, Kent, on your right. Okay. You know, has the time away from the sport changed your perspective at all about playing out here and being one of the faces of the tour? Yeah, for sure. It, you know, it's like you know, it's like when you're sick and your nose is stuffy. You're so grateful to be able to breathe. Um, I feel like it's the same way. Like when it's kind of taken away from you, you're just you kind of sit back and you realize like how amazing of a sport it is, and then how you can travel the world and how you can. Just do what you love, and yeah, I definitely missed it. Last three questions down the line, Shane, Beth, and Jonathan. I have the perspective question also, <laughs> but I'll, so I'll ask you this. There may come a time when you get back in the thick of it, and you, you kind of, it's easy to lose perspective again, isn't it, mm -hmm. once you are over it. Do you think this is something you'll take with you and be able to kind of use it in the future to steady yourself and sort of remember to be grateful and all that kind of thing? I think golf is a sport that really humbles you anyway, so I think I won't have an issue with that. There's always like a hiccup here and there in the season that really makes you step back and kind of um, respect the game. And again, it just humbles you as well, and it doesn't make you too cocky. 
Corda just seemed to get a little emotional there as she talked about her time away from the tour and, and really just seemed utterly grateful at the opportunity to simply be back out here and competing once again. She says she really hasn't thought beyond just getting back on that first tee and hitting that first drive on Thursday. All right, Amy Rogers on the ground for us at Pine Needles, the 77th edition of the U.S. Women's Open. And Nellie Clorda clearly emotional. We look ahead to her tee time Thursday, 224, alongside another major champ in Danielle Kang and also the 19-year-old from Thailand, Ataya Titikun, a winner this year in Carlsbad at the JTBC Classic. And I tell you, to see a vulnerable Nellie Corda, this is someone who has made the game look easy. I mean, a year ago, major champ. She was number one. She won her first major. What do you think the added perspective will mean for her going forward? Well, she just used that phrase there, that golf is a sport that humbles you anyway. And it's amazing how quickly both fragile body and this game can humble somebody. If you just go back to the first week of January, Nellie Corda passed Stacey Lewis for the record of the longest lasting number one in the world rankings from an American standpoint. She got to 26 weeks. Three weeks later, she lost it to Jin Young Ko. She has not competed at all since the first week of February when she was T15 at the drive-on championships. Here we are now, three months down the road. She's still number two in the rankings, but she had a very interesting answer to another question in that press conference that we didn't see. She was asked what the expectations were, and she said, I'm not expecting too much. Mm. And here's, it's kind of hard to hear that from somebody who's number two in the world, won four times last year. At one point, was considered almost the dominant player because those yeah. four wins were also sandwiched around the Olympic gold medal as well. And she was streaking ahead of the competition. Then Jin Young-Ko made her own run late in the year and suddenly thought we had this great rivalry from one of two dominant players to a rivalry. And now Nelly Cord is heading in here to what is the oldest, biggest and now richest of the women's major championships with no expectations at all. It, it's amazing to hear that from a world number two, but it's probably based in some reality. Yeah, I think the, the further she gets away from the surgery, which happened uh, earlier this year, the better she will be physically, obviously, but also emotionally. I was surprised to see her as emotional as she was, but then I thought about it. You have a blood clot, and for, for a long time, she didn't know what she had, you know, and she did post those pictures on social media of her convalescing in the hospital. And, you know, it may not seem like it was yesterday, but so quickly, now she's back in front of the cameras, back on a golf course being asked questions about the state of her game and Jin Young Ko and the narrow fairways presented to you at a, a national championship. And it has to be a pretty quick turnaround to go from kind of wondering what your life is going to be like health-wise to all of a sudden getting back in the fray with the best players in the world. Well, I think you can... It's a less fearful situation for Nelly Corda. Compare this to what we've seen over the last few weeks and months with Bryson DeChambeau. Nellie Corda said in that interview she was going to come back when she was 100%. It just happened to be the point where she reached 100% fitness was for the U.S. Women's Open. The goal wasn't to come back at a major. That's when she hit 100%. A couple of weeks ago, we saw Bryson out at Southern Hills messing around for a couple of days before deciding he wasn't going to play. We have this kind of stop-start approach with him where it's almost theatrical, yeah. showing up at an event and then not being there when the tee goes in the ground on Thursday morning. So Nellie Corda seems to have taken a very kind of private, rational mm. approach to this. She hasn't made much in the way of details of her medical condition in the surgery public. She's kept that veil over her private life and her health yeah. and just put out there what needs to be out there from, from her standpoint. So I think she's managing it in the best case scenario for her. And I, I suspect her eye is three weeks down the road. Mm. That's when she's defending the KPMG Women's PGA Championship, that first major victory. And perhaps her expectations will be a little higher there at Congressional than they will be this week at Pine Needles. Yeah, there'll be a time to talk about rivalries and a time to talk about the need to win. The game of golf is just very lucky to have Nellie Corda back in the fray. Now, Nellie, not the only major champ making a return this week for the first time since 2008. Ten-time major champ Annika Sorenstam will play in the U.S. Women's Open. She gets her week started alongside another U.S. Women's Open champ, Soyoung Yu, and amateur Ingrid Lindblad at 8.50 a.m. Eastern Time. Lindblad also from Sweden, one of the great cool pairings the USGA has brought us this week. Let's flash back to 1996. Why is that year important? Annika won her second straight U.S. Women's Open by an astounding six strokes. And where was that championship played? You guessed it, Pine Needles. That week, Annika started the second round with the lead 
and never looked back. And we fast forward now to 2021. Annika won her first U.S. Senior Women's Open after carding final round 68. Cruised to a dominant eight-shot victory at Brooklawn here in Connecticut. Take a look at this career. I tell you, it's one of the best of all time. 72 career wins on the LPGA. That's third best. Ten majors, as mentioned, inducted into the World Golf Hall of Fame back in 2003. President of the International Golf Federation. And she won the national championship in 95, 96, 2006 at Newport Country Club. And live from the U.S. You know, there's Wing. a few factors. Um, you know, winning, obviously getting the exemption is number one. Coming here with Peggy is, you know, maybe two, my family, I mean, three, and then my family's probably two, wanting me to be part of this again. And, and you know, with the girls that I that we play, that have play in our tournaments, just to inspire them and continue to inspire golfers around the world. So I think there's four or five factors. And, you know, it, it certainly would have been different if this was somewhere else. My goal is obviously to play the best I can. I know what I'm capable of. You know, I can hit fairways, I can hit greens, I can make putts. So, you know, that's my goal this week. Uh, you know, obviously I'm a different position now than in 96 where, you know, I was probably one of the longest off the tees and would hit last into the greens. Now it's a reverse. So uh, kind of the feeling that I had when I played at the Colonial, you know, just get out there, hit first on the greens. But, you know, I think this, uh, this course is quite generous off the tee and it's, it's more around the greens, being precise with your irons. So, um, you know, I'm not really going to have a score in mind, um, but I, I feel good about my game. I really do. I mean, this is, um, is if you think about the time I've put in and the time that I have, you know, I'm, I'm there where, where I can be. And um, we'll just see where that takes me. Uh, this is really everything I have, and, and we're going to make the most out of it. Uh, we're excited to be here. We're going to enjoy it. We're going to um, hit some shots and just soak up the atmosphere. I want the kids to, to see what it's like to play in an open, and I've been here. And so it's more to maximize on a lot of different levels than just my game. One of the great ball strikers to ever do it live from the U.S. Women's Open presented by ProMedica begins tomorrow at noon Eastern. First round coverage will be aired on USA at 3 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. And when Golf Today returns, Jack Nicklaus, host of this week's Memorial Tournament, spoke with the media today. We'll hear what the 18-time major champ had to say about some controversial topics in the game. Plus, Bryson DeChambeau is officially back from the sidelines. The big hitter set to tee it up at Memorial this week. He spoke to our Todd Lewis. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. This season, don't just bet, live your bet life. And Wind Grips, the best grips in golf. And... Bushnell Golf and the Pro XE. Experience the best. And by introducing the Cobra King Forge Tech Irons, a better player's iron. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to Golf Today. 
This week, the PGA Tour makes its annual stop in Dublin, Ohio for the Memorial Tournament, hosted by Jack Nicklaus. The 18-time major champion has been involved in some controversy of late. Earlier this month, a complaint was filed in the Supreme Court of the State of New York by Howard Milstein, executive chairman of the Nicholas Companies. The suit alleges that Nicholas was paid $145 million in 2007 to provide exclusive services and property to the Nicholas Companies, but failed to deliver on the terms of the deal. And while three specific instances were laid out, the most notable was the company alleging that it had to convince Jack to stop negotiating terms to work with Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, which financially backs the Live Golf Series. In a recent interview with the Fire Pit Collective, Nicholas said that he turned down an offer from Live Golf of around $100 million to do a job similar to the one Greg Norman is doing, stating that he has to stay with the tour, which he helped start. After the lawsuit was filed, Nicholas released a statement saying, quote, the claims made by Howard Milstein are untrue. Our relationship has been a difficult one at best. I have little doubt about the outcome, but I don't intend to make this a public spectacle if it can be avoided. And with that, we welcome in Todd Lewis from Memorial. Todd, Nicholas was in the media center a short time ago, but he did not talk about the lawsuit. What did you take away from the topics he did address? Well, first, let's understand that Jack Nicklaus has a powerful voice in the game of golf, even more powerful here at Muirfield Village. This is his home state, his home area, and his tournament, talking about the memorial. He did address several topics, mostly about his tournament. If you remember back in 2020, Nicholas renovated this golf course. He touched nearly every hole. Now there's been an extra year of maturity, so he likes where this golf course is playing. The field is wonderful here. Seven of the top ten in the world will compete here for the Memorial Tournament. But there are a couple of big-name players that aren't here, including the two major champions from 2022. And I'm talking about Scotty Scheffler and Justin Thomas. Nicholas said that he understands that you can't play every week, so it's all right that those two players are not here. And another subject that was addressed, going on what you guys were talking about there in the studio, is this alternative tour, Live Golf, and the reports that he was approached by this group to be the face of Live Golf. Ultimately, now Greg Norman has that job. Nicholas did confirm that he did have that meeting, and today he spoke about why he took that meeting. They obviously called me. And, and we've, we've, we've had a contract on a golf course in Saudi Arabia for over a couple of years. Essentially the same, <coughs> excuse me, essentially the same group. So when they called Jackie, my son Jackie organized the, the meeting, and they came into the, in, into, into the Bears Club. Uh, we met uh, a couple of guys, John Reese and Paul Stringer from the Nicholas Companies were there because we were doing the golf course, and they proposed this thing to me. And, uh, you know, I did it out of courtesy to them because we are doing a golf course for them. I had zero interest in it and, and wanting to do something like that. I don't care what kind of money they would have thrown at me. My allegiance has been to the PGA Tour. I grew up with the PGA Tour. I helped found the PGA Tour as it is today. And uh, my allegiance is, is there and it's going to stay there. Todd? Jack, um Following up on that, with the intricacies of this Live Golf Tour and the PGA Tour's protection of its business, um, ultimately, what do you hope comes out of this that benefits the game, its players, and, of course, the fans? Well, you know, I've been, one of my big things has always been to grow the game of golf. If this helps grow the game of golf, you know, I don't, I don't have, I, I, what difference does it make to me? We said, we talked earlier, where our players are coming from. They're coming from all over the world. And, you know, if it grows the game, uh, grows the game and benefits some people and, 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 and spreads the game, fine. But let's, you know, I think we, we've had enough of that. Let's get, well, let's talk about the Memorial Tournament. So count Jack Nicholas in the same group as Tiger Woods, John Rahm, Roy McIlroy, Justin Thomas, just to name a few that are in full support of the PGA Tour. 
So Nicholas there saying, even though he did have that meeting with the Live Golf Group, he is in total support of what the PGA Tour stands for right now and the legacies that it has. One other thing he did mention is the fact that he's playing quite a bit of golf right now. He didn't play much last year because he felt like he wasn't as healthy. He says, I don't have as much inflammation right now, so I'm playing golf. As a matter of fact, he said he played the Muirfield Village for the first time since the renovation, said he shot 84, and recently, guys, went to Augusta National to play with some family members and admitted he shot 88 there. So it's good to see Jack out there playing golf once again. No doubt another strong endorsement of the PGA Tour from the Golden Bear. Todd Lewis reporting from a windy Muirfield Village. Meanwhile, the golf that will be played at Muirfield Village will feature a lot of big names this week, including Bryson DeChambeau, who will make his first start since the Masters, after which he went, underwent surgery on his left wrist. Bryson tried to give it a go at the PGA Championship before deciding ultimately to withdraw. Now, Bryson spoke with our Todd Lewis earlier today. Well, this is a question I've been asking you for the last couple of weeks. How are you feeling heading into this tournament? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm actually excited. It's been a long time coming. I mean, look, do I know I can finish out the week? Yeah. Um, do I know that I can contend? Yes. Do I know that I can um, finally enjoy golf again? Yes. That's a, a big step for me and my, my health and, and my mental state. And things have changed a, a lot for me. And I've learned so much about me as a person and my faith and, and whatnot. Um, through having golf stripped away from me. You know, it's been a difficult time for me in the past seven months not being able to play golf the way I would really want to. And, you know, it still is is a little tough every once in a while on the hand to hit golf balls. But for the most part, I mean, I, I can't tell you how blessed I am to be back out here. Very excited. So you're pretty certain you're going to be able to play 72 holes? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, you know, I'm glad I have next week off because I'm going to need that to really recover that hand and get it into a into a place where I feel like I can start playing golf week in and week out. But right now, I mean, I'm able to have, you know, 190 ball speed consistently without really any pain, and I can got control of the golf ball. I'm not forcing anything. Um, and I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm very, very happy. You mentioned that you feel as if you have a different perspective now than mm -hmm. you did seven months ago. What yeah. do you think the greatest shift has been? Well, for me, um, I mean, it, it's been definitely – pretty recent, but um, realizing that I can't put everything, all my marbles into one basket, which is golf. Uh, there's more to life than, than golf. And, um, you know, it's, it's been definitely eye-opening for me to have a closer relationship with, with the Lord. And, and just, you know, more importantly, being happy with myself too. And, and, and more importantly, getting closer to him. And that's, for me, something that's changed in my life that I'm very, very happy with. And I'm going to continue to fight, continue to be my absolute best out here on the golf course and hopefully inspire some, some kids and, along the way. And, uh, do my due diligence like uh, he wants me to. Final thing, um, if you are able to complete 72 holes, which mm. it sounds like you feel like you can't do, what's a good week for you? Oh, I mean, you could, a great week is, is obviously making the cut. I believe I can put myself in contention. I know this golf course really well. Um, it's uh, definitely a great opportunity to test my speed as well a little bit with the endurance. But knowing the golf course and, um, being a past champion here, uh, I think I can contend as well and, and hopefully do something pretty pretty unique. Wish you all the best. Thanks, Bryson. Yeah, thank you. Bryson DeChambeau looking for some sustained health in 2022. When he's right, I mean, he's P.T. Barnum under the big top. He's the guy you know, juggling knives or eating the fire. He's the elephant dancing on a BOSU ball. I mean, when he's healthy, he's fun to watch. Where, where do you see Bryson at, at this point, you know, trying to find perspective and good health and get back to where he wants to be? It's kind of hard to know what to make from from what we just heard from Bryson there, because on one hand he's telling us how he's he's clearly not at 100 yeah. percent, that he's still several weeks away from being able to get to the point where he can trust his his hand to play week in week out. He's talking about how it would be a great week to make the cut, and then in the next breath he's talking about how he believes he can contend and possibly win. So it's really all over the place with Bryson as usual there. Uh, there isn't much to build on in terms of confidence mm. when you look at the year. He's had. I mean, he started with the T25th place at the Century. Sounds good on paper, but there's only about 30 guys in the field out there. He was number eight in the world at that point. Then he missed the cut at Torrey Pines. He had to withdraw from the event in Saudi Arabia. He never made it out of group play at the match play. Missed right. the cut at the Masters, missed the cut at the Valero Texas Open. And then had a couple of days in Southern Hills creating some theatre before heading back home to Dallas 
without ever putting a tea in the ground. So it's been a really remarkably dry spell for Bryce in terms of having anything to gauge his game off of going all the way back to probably the last summer. I mean, Bryson really didn't play after we saw him at the FedEx Cup playoffs last year either. So the, he's starting from really from scratch again. And that's what I kind of took out of that conversation is that he really doesn't know what to expect. I don't think he knows what to expect from his body. I don't think he knows what to expect from his game. He may actually know a little bit more about what to expect physically yeah. than he, he will in terms of the results on the golf course because he's, he's not entirely sure that he can make the cut if that's what constitutes a great week, but he still thinks he could win on Sunday afternoon, which I guess you have to if you're going to put a tee in the ground. But does he sound like a player who has learned some lessons and has some perspective? You know, the, the better you play, the brighter the spotlight on you, the more the, you're under the microscope. And he is someone who, even when he's played well, he invites criticism from time to time. And I think that, you know, he was the, the star of the show at, at Bay Hill last year. Then he had the summer where he was criticizing his equipment and and getting in that back and forth with Brooks Kepka, He seemed to kind of have a new, you know, rejuvenation at the Ryder Cup where he was a part of the victorious U.S. team. But do you think that 2022, once he gets the good health, that the perspective of, of not, you know, being the guy that puts your foot in your mouth is going to be part of this new Bryson DeChambeau going forward? Everyone gets perspective when things are going badly. The trick is hanging on to it when things mm -hmm. start to go well again. And Bryson has always been the one to attract attention and scrutiny. He's proven himself quite incapable of dealing with the criticism and scrutiny uh, that comes with the theatricality yeah. with which he lives his professional career. He hasn't had any of that for several months now, for the most part, really since the long drive championship he ended, entered at the end of last year, which was, again, great theatre, great viewing, great for fans, but not necessarily great for, for Bryson's longer-term career. He hasn't had any of that noise around him now for several months. When that noise returns, either through his performance on the golf course or any extracurricular activities he has going on in terms of feuds or commercial stuff going on outside the ropes and, and the criticism and scrutiny comes again, then I guess we'll see if he's got this maturity in terms of dealing with that kind of stuff. We haven't seen much of it in the past. But, you know, it's, it's been a tough seven months for him. Maybe he's going to come out of it with a different view on things. You would think with his history, U.S. Amateur, NCAA, U.S. Open, I mean, he should be, by all accounts, one of the two or three most popular players in the game. And, and maybe there's a chance for him to rescue that because the resume for a player at this point in his career, it should be, it should be the game should be, you know, it should be fun for him. The world should be his oyster at this point and instead he continues to kind of talk about making starts and stops his relationship with the media relationship with the fans I mean he was the center of heckling so much last season that seems to be in a start stop mode as well it really is and now we're just 48 hours away from seeing Bryson DeChambeau actually get back out on the golf yeah. course and show what he's got out there Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome back to Golf Today. Not too far from Pine Needles, Michelle Wee West got her first taste of major glory, winning the 2014 U.S. Women's Open at Pinehurst Number 2. It was Wee's first and only major victory.
Now, last week, Michelle spoke to our friend Beth Ann Nichols of Golf Week and announced her plans to step away from the game. She also posted this message on her Instagram saying, quote, excited to announce the next phase of my career as I'll be stepping back from playing on the LPGA Tour full time. I'm so grateful for the past 14 years I spent on tour, traveling the world and competing against the best in the game. Excited to spend more time now on projects that I always wanted to do but never had time for and to continually work to help golf become a more diverse and inclusive space. Let's take a look at Michelle Wee West's career. Five wins on the LPGA Tour, played in that first LPGA tournament at the age of 12, turned pro 2005 at the age of 15, five-time member of the Solheim Cup, competed in eight PGA Tour events as well. And Michelle spoke with our Amy Rogers. Michelle, you took to social media just a few days ago to announce you'd be stepping away from the game of golf. You said after you gave birth to your daughter, you wanted her to be able to see you compete out here. Yeah. What made you decide to go ahead and step away now? Yeah, you know, it's something that I've... Um always wanted to do um, you know I did have a really great moment last year when she came out to watch me on the final hole and I made the putt and everyone started clapping and she started clapping too so that was really cool and that's a very memory that I definitely cherish um, you know I just came to the realization that um, you know I just to come out here and play full-time I'd really have to push my body a lot more and there's you know a couple of days where you know I had bad days in my body and just couldn't lift her up and that really scared me um, so I just made the conscious decision to um, you know want to choose to spend more time with her and my family um, but yeah it's definitely an emotional um, feeling but I'm very happy about it. You touched on your body a little bit you have had so many unlucky breaks dealing with injuries all throughout your career how much of those did that play a role in making this decision to walk away? Yeah, you know, it's something that, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, I haven't played a full schedule in a while, um, and it's definitely always been on the back of my mind. Um, you know, it's just, just it, it is what it is. Um, I'm also very proud of the resiliency that I've shown over the years, and, you know, I made a lot of comebacks in my career. Um, you know, definitely not even close to, you know, Tiger, but, um, and no, but just, uh, I'm just so proud of myself. Um, and, you know, now I just have time to do things that I'm, you know, really passionate about and never had time to do. So I definitely want to stay in the game of golf and uh, definitely work to, you know, help the tour become a better place, you know, help female golfers. Um, so finally have time to do that. So I'm really excited to do so. As you think back now over your career, is there anything that you would have done differently? No, you know, I have no regrets. And I think, you know, not to say that I didn't make mistakes because I definitely have, um, but I don't regret them because I feel like I've used them as a learning experience and they've shaped who I am today. So, um, you know, just my career, the ups and downs, you know, I'll take it because, I, you know, I think that showed me how strong I was. Um, so very proud of myself. Well, it's been a pleasure watching you over the years. Best of luck. Enjoy this final week out here. Thank you. One of the most transcendent players in the game over the last nearly 20 years. Take a look at this tee time from Michelle Wee West. 1.36 p.m. Eastern alongside two other major champs, two other U.S. Women's Open champs in Brittany Lang and S.H. Park. And the world number one is in a group of Chevron champions for the first two rounds. Lexi Thompson and Jennifer Cupshow. That trio gets their tournament started on Thursday at 8.39 a.m. Eastern time and the Rolex number one also caught up with Amy Rogers. Jin Young changing things up a little bit for the season's second major championship. You arrived here on site five days ago to begin preparing something you've never done before in a major. Why did you want to do that? Yes, yeah, because I didn't play match play, so I had a lot of time. So I want to coaches bring him here. So I want to, I wanted to practice with him for my swing, something fixed and I practiced hard last five days in here, and yeah, yeah, it's tough time, but I had great time with my swing coach. What are some of those things that you are trying to fix, as you say, with your swing? Well, I like around the greens, like short game or back swing, a little bit, little things, just not not big things, just like tempo, and just don't move something like hand. So just keep my spine something like this, and yeah, I practice. I think over ten hours every day. So it's hard, but it was good. What's the challenge now? Just a few days prior to a major championship, of trying to implement a swing change under the pressure of trying to win in a major. Well, it's fine because I know my swing. I know my swing. So if 
ball goes right or left, I can fix just a few things on the course. It's a kick, so yeah, I'm. I don't have worry. Just I want to try and do my best on this week, and it's major, so everybody get nervous. So I don't. I don't want to get nervous, but I'm trying to be calm on the course, and I will do enjoy my caddy. Well, you always look calm and collected out there. Thanks for the time. Best of luck. Thank you. Jin Young Ko fixing things in her game. We should all have such problems. A win already this season. Three top tens so far in 2022 and in search of major number three at Pine Needles. Golf Today, back after this. The second win on the DP World Tour. For Victor Perez, age 29, from France, ranked 100th, born in France, but now lives in Scotland, played some college golf at New Mexico. Look at that 2019 Alfred Dunhill Links Championship. Of course, the old course hosting the Open, and Victor got into that with his win. Let's welcome in Victor Perez. First of all, congratulations. What was going through your mind when you're making those 30-footers look like three-footers and the hole looks like it's the size of a basketball hoop? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I think the fortune that I had uh, was that I always kind of had to make the putt to keep going. So in the sense, I had nothing to lose. I had nothing to protect. It was either kind of like do or die kind of situation. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those. I mean, they were great putts, but you still need a lot of fortune for the ball to actually go in. Victor, you were still three strokes behind with only a couple of holes to go. At what point did you realize that you still actually had a real chance of winning? I think when I got to 17T and then I saw that he actually doubled 18 to go back to 13 under, it actually put me straight back in the tournament because for the most part, when he was 15, 14, 15, 16, aren't, I mean, they're birdie holes if you have to hit great shots, but you'll be um, delighted with a par, just, you know, kind of needing birdies. And I knew trying to finish 3-3 with the pin on 18, tuck left with the left to right win was going to be very difficult. Um, so I kind of knew my, I was running a little out of holes uh, to, to catch him until he actually doubled 18 and then I'd make my putt on 17 and I'm standing on 18 T with now just birdie to win. Um, so it was a little bit of a flip because uh, I could hear the roars as I was going through 10, 11, and I could hear another one and another one and another one. And I'm like, somebody's making a big run. And, uh, and he was just taking the tournament um, by charge at 15 under and really no one was going to catch him there. Well, you did catch him. Your win includes that exemption into the Open Championship at the Old Course, the 150th Open site of your previous DP World Tour win at the Alfred Dunhill Links in 2019. What are you most excited about in competing at St. Andrews in an Open? Yeah, it's fantastic. To me, that's the biggest tournament. I always say, uh, you know, the Open at St. Andrews is the biggest tournament in the world than every Masters and then every Open, basically. I think the the Masters will be bigger than the Open unless it's at St. Andrews just because of the tradition, I think the history and everything that goes with it. Obviously, having won there in 2019 is is obviously great. Um, great memories around that that course, having it played just, I mean, obviously just two times during the Dunhill, but still great memories and uh, really looking forward to it. That's a home game for you, Victor, right? You still live in Dundee, which is only 10, 12 miles away from the old course? Yeah, just across the, across the bridge, basically, from... Uh, that gets you over to five uh, onto St. Andrews. You've started to play really well in some big events on, on the European Tour, the DP World Tour. You obviously won the Dunhill Links. You finished second in the BMW PGA Championship at Wentworth as well. Where do you see your progress now in terms of what are the next goals that are the benchmarks that you've set for yourself? I think um, I haven't had the results that I've been wanting in majors. Obviously, I've competed in a fair few by now, and, and I haven't had the results. And I think now it's just a matter of being comfortable, putting myself in a position to where I feel like um, you're competitive and you have great results. Um, and then whatever happens, happens. I think St. Andrews has that ability to be a bit more of a home game, which is huge you know, from a personal standpoint, being at home and having friends and family around. Um, there's an element to the course being, you know, very specific to a major. I think it's not really what you'd, you'd expect. You know, it could be playing very easy if the conditions are amazing. It could play really difficult, whereas, you know, in a couple of weeks of the U.S. Open, I can expect the winning score to be below 
you know, barely around par, you'd imagine, you know, from what they've been doing a great job with um, over the last few years. So it's a, it's a different situation. I think for me, it's about competing, uh, putting myself in a situation where I get more and more comfortable and, and then whatever happens, happens. Uh, I'm just, um, I'm not going to settle on just being happy to be in the tournament. That's for sure. Love that mentality. And speaking of mentality, I read where you study psychology at the University of New Mexico. How much does that help you deal with the ups and downs of golf? Yeah, for sure. Uh, it was a bit of a, of, a, of a drop. I studied biochemistry my first two years, and then, you know, things get along the way. You start playing better golf. You see yourself playing golf further and further, and uh, I just felt like I needed a little bit more time to play golf and, and went to psychology, which helped, obviously, just, you know, getting an insight on the other side of psychology, maybe not just quite sports psychology, but, um, yeah, that definitely helped. I think dealing with adversity is one of the main key component to performance and and you're definitely going to have to deal with that in major championships victor anyone who wins on the dp world tour now from this point on for the next 15 16 months starts to put themselves into the conversation for a Ryder cup place how much is that in your mind right now yeah for sure i mean i was gutted to miss the last one um in the states i was in a great position uh going into the basically the final corner uh with the qualifying events and missed it by a few um, and, and, and I think, yeah, it's, it's definitely a goal of mine. I think as a European, we take great pride in playing the Ryder Cup and competing. Um, obviously, playing at home and Rome this year in 2023 will be fantastic. And, and uh, yeah, making the team will be for sure a priority. Well, Victor, it was a lot of fun watching you win and all your various celebrations of made birdie putts. Congratulations and have a great summer. We'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Well, Lexi Thompson made her U.S. Women's Open debut at Pine Needles when she was only 12 years old. Now she's 27, still looking for that Women's Open win, one year removed from her heartbreak at the Olympic Club. We'll hear from the world number six coming up. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. This season, don't just bet, live your bet life. And the new pink PLD putters, designed by pros, played by champions custom built for you and by Skechers Go Golf comfort driven styles worn by Billy Andre Pine Needles is a Donald Ross masterpiece and is hosting the US Women's Open for the fourth time Nelly Corda is back Annika is too Jin Young Ko she isn't going anywhere Michelle Wee West is taking her leave a wealth of storylines as the oldest major championship in the women's game gets underway. Golf Today continues now. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. Welcome back into Golf Today. I'm Eamon Lynch alongside Damon Hack. Damon, Biggest event in the women's game going on this week, the U.S. Women's Open. It always kind of feels bigger than every other major out there. I mean, you listen to Jin Young-Ko, you listen to Nelly Korda. This event, this major, just seems to have a little more gravitas than the rest. That's no disrespect to any of the other majors, but a national championship, especially when you consider the relationship with these players in terms of playing mm -hmm. USGA events since they were teenagers in many cases, some cases playing in U.S. Women's Opens when they were teenagers. It's not about the purse this week. It's about the prestige and the meaning of your own national open. And sometimes they're even playing those major championships before they actually reach those teenage years. And as Andrew Lloyd Webber once wrote, there's not much between despair and ecstasy when it comes to major championships. Last year, Yuko Sasso basked in the glory of the U.S. Women's Open. But Lexi Thompson, she squandered a five-stroke lead during the final round, going five over par in her last eight holes on that Sunday. Lexi spoke with the media earlier today. Lexi, your 16th Women's Open appearance, but your first one was right here as a 12-year-old. What do you remember from that week? Um, probably, honestly, how nervous I was. I don't remember much of the golf course besides number 10's tee shot because I just remember, again, how nervous I was, and I was so happy that it was raining because there was nobody out there following. <laughs> but it was just an amazing experience. I remember driving up with my parents, practicing my signature on the way, and just embracing it all. I was looking back at your 
pre-championship press conference from then. You mentioned at the time that your favorite TV show is The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Oh. So a lot, ha a lot has changed. Change. Um, talk a little bit about from then to now. <laughs> yeah, times have changed. It might not be my favorite, maybe second. <laughs> um, yeah, overall just maturity, right? Um, you know, I was 12 years old then and just has grown as a person and a player and have learned a lot of things about myself and it's just been a great experience. I always say um, teeing it up here when I was 12 is the reason why I am where I am today because I realized then that this is what I wanted to do. Talking about working with a mental coach at last year's Women's Open, I'm just curious, you know, are you still doing that or, or maybe something that Morgan said that you and, and Martin Hall, um, not only when you work on the technical aspect mm -hmm. of putting, but you're working on, on that part as well. What what that looks like. Yeah, I'm not working with the same mental coach, but honestly just enjoying life more, um, realizing that golf isn't life or death um, as I took it sometimes when I was younger and just enjoying my time out here more, realizing that it's just a blessing to be out here and having Martin Hall on part of my team, helping with my golf swing, but other than that, just being such a positive influence in my life and having him around has helped me out tremendously and just getting through the past year of the ups and downs and just going through that whole process with me. Well, here's a look at Lexi's results since that 2021 U.S. Women's Open at the Olympic Club. 16 starts, no wins, but remarkably consistent. Seven top tens. But you see there at the bottom, her last win, Damon, three years ago. It's a ShopRite LPGA Classic. Where do you see Lexi right now in terms of her ability to end this three-year drought to get her first major championship since the Chevron Championship back in 2014? Yeah, I'm glad we started that uh, sound with her back when she was 12 years old in 2007. I covered the U.S. Women's Open for the New York Times, and I remember how much the media seemed to rally around this story of this preteen competing in the national championship. And really, Lexi has not left the public eye since then. And we ask so much of these young players, and I see Lexi now uh, in her 20s, a, a remarkable career, 11 wins on the LPGA, a major championship, and yet there's always kind of a but with her and whether it's just the pressure of, of trying to be the face of American golf, which she was for a spell and the, the putting. Uh, I think the COVID break was one of the one of the things that kind of stopped the momentum that she had of seven straight seasons with a win. She's 0-4 in playoffs. Uh, there's almost always a butt with this player, whether it's the putting stroke or or the state of her happiness. And I just think it's a reminder that sometimes stardom as a teenager or, or preteen doesn't always go at the benefit of the player. That's what I see of Lexi Thompson. Uber talented. You ask the question, where is she now? Uber talented. A fixture on the Solheim Cup team. But a, 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 a puzzle, a conundrum in this fantastic player. Yeah, there never seems to be an awful lot to worry about with Lexi in terms of the results. She's never that far away. She doesn't slump, even though she hasn't had these wins. I mean, in her last 10 starts, she's only finished lower than 13th on the LPGA Tour once. So it's not as though her game isn't there it's from the neck up and I thought it was interesting when she talked about working with new mental game coach there and it's always you know the the putting is an issue she's first in tour and hitting greens 61st in putting yeah. but when you look inside the major championships in particular since that win in 2014 at Chevron she's had 15 top 10 finishes in major championships since then she's had 10 top five finishes six top three finishes mm. that's a lot of scar tissue yeah. that's a lot of missed opportunities in there and we saw that in painful close-up last year at the Olympic Club but with all of that context I was struck at how cheerful and easygoing she seemed in that conversation right there that that golf doesn't mean as much perhaps as it once did to her and she's, she's finding that kind of perspective that maybe the losses will hurt a little bit less going forward. Yeah you know I'm starting to <coughs> detect a trend here you know Michelle we you know, wanting to do different things and loving art and fashion uh, and kind of embracing her, her brainiac side, the Stanford alum. Also someone who was a teenager who was, you know, on the cover of this golf magazine and that. Lydia Ko, uh, a young phenom turning pro and winning tournaments and, and also having a, a fallow period where she's searching for her game. I mean, Tiger Woods in the spotlight since he was a child and, and dominating the game for an, a robust 12-year stretch and then having his own issues on and off the golf course. I just wonder, can a player hit golf balls from age 8 or age 12, be in front of the camera and continue to be 
thankful and joyful and healthy and mentally balanced. I, I look at Lexi Thompson and I see the conundrum of stardom young. And I hope that she can find that balance of which she speaks. And last year it was the mental coach and now it's Martin Hall. One year it was the new puppy that she had that she would actually do interviews with from time to time on this very channel. I see Lexi Thompson and I see the conundrum of stardom young. But don't you see the same thing from other people as well? We, we always seem to hear some new thought process out of Rory at Majors. We just heard Bryson kind of talk about how he's changing tack in, in how he approaches the game and the entire life around golf as well. So to me it's not necessarily just a mm. Alexi problem, I think it's a mechanism to try to take yeah. pressure off mm. the week in question. And at major championships, and at this major championship in particular, Lexi Thompson always seems to feel a little bit more pressure. She's been so close so often. It's almost kind of like the Nancy Lopez disease from the 70s and 80s, where Nancy lost here four times, came second in the US Open. Lexi's on that trend right now. She's still only 27 years old. Yeah. It's easy to forget that, considering how long she's been around since the debut in the US Women's Open at the age of 12, but the pressure is there. I just see all of that as an attempt by Lexi to kind of diffuse the tension. Yeah. The problem is you can't rely upon things like that on the last nine holes on Sunday afternoon, and her game has always put her there. Yeah. Let's just hope the nerves can do so too. Yeah, when everybody knows who you are at the age of 12, trying to keep things simple and not always the easiest thing to do. All right, folks, take a look at who's in the race to the CME Globe at this point in 2022 season. All these players looking to find their way to Naples. Fantastic spot for the season ender on the LPGA. Take a look at the top 10 major champ, Minji Lee out front. There's the Rolex number one, Jin Young Ko. And there's Lexi Thompson, like you talked about, you know, really never outside of the frame, number seven so far in the race to the CME Globe. All right, let's get an update now on the Epson Tour. That's the road to the LPGA. Last week at the Innova Mission Inn Resort and Club Championship, former Duke star Gina Kim found the winner's circle. Kim shot a bogey-free two under over her final nine holes for a two-shot <laughs> victory. And with the win, Gina jumped all the way up to sixth in the Ascensus race for the card. Now remember, at the end of the season, the top 10 players in this race will earn their 2023 LPGA Tour cards. Congrats to Gina Kim. And what a week it was for Stephen Alker. He fired a final round 63 at the KitchenAid Senior PGA Championship in Benton Harbor, Michigan. The New Zealander entered the week as the betting favorite, and he left Michigan a major champion. And after clinching his third win of the season, Alker further cemented his place on top of the Charles Schwab Cup standings, leaving the likes of Miguel Angel Jimenez, Bernhard Langer, and Stephen Ames at this point in the season. Thanks, man. Sets us up perfectly for our next guest, Stephen Alker himself. Stephen, congrats. I'm just curious what the last 48 hours or so have been like as a major champ, maybe a cool phone call or conversation or celebratory drink, perhaps. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, we had a nice glass of wine and a, and a steak after the after the wins. That was nice. But uh, just been talking, did a bit of media stuff uh, back home to New Zealand yesterday uh, with the time difference. So, uh, but no, just kind of uh, trying to carry on as normal. I went out and played 12 holes today and uh, saw a little bit of the golf course this week in Des Moines. So, um, yeah, just looking forward to another week out in the Champions Tour. Stephen, you went into the final round in Benton Harbour several strokes off the lead. Was the plan to be aggressive from the outset or did you just kind of play your way into it and start to get more aggressive as the round wore on? Yeah, to be aggressive, but the golf course we're playing, you didn't want to be too aggressive. You can come unstuck pretty easily around there with the with the greens and, and, and some of the hazards around the golf course. So, um, yeah, it was just to play, you know, play smart, <laughs> aggressive. Um, I got off to a nice start exactly how I wanted I think I was three under through five. And, um, you know, I wasn't watching the leaderboard, but uh, I just kind of felt the game was there and it was, you know, it was flowing nicely. I had good momentum and played a solid front nine and just got on the hunt. And that's where you want to be on coming down the stretch on, on the last nine. Stephen, this season in the Charles Schwab Cup race, you know, Ernie Els is chasing you, David Toms, Bernhard Langer. What have you learned about yourself this season? Uh, you learned a lot. I mean, learned I can I can win again and uh, and 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 keep winning. That's uh, that's the big thing. You know, my game uh, is not changing from week to week. It's very consistent. Um, so I'm comfortable with that. 
um, taking you know what, what I've got onto the golf course and playing and competing with that, and uh, and just being I think a little more calm and, and comfortable in the situation when I get a chance to win and get amongst it. I'll, I'm, I'm just kind of feeling a little calmer, shall we say, and just just comfortable with that situation. Stephen, I was struck by a comment you made after winning on Sunday where you said you're not quite comfortable in your role out on the Champions Tour yet. Now, you've won three of your last four starts. How bad is it going to be for the other guys when you do actually get comfortable out there? <laughs> well, that, that comfort factor, I'm kind of talking maybe more about just being amongst the company I am, uh, you know, the legends that, that are out there and the players. Um, you know, there's still some guys I haven't played with uh, before. So there's that, you know, there's still that, um, I, I don't want to get, too comfortable. I, I, now there's a lot of respect out here for, for these guys, and um, I, I, as I said, I'm just enjoying it. And um, yeah, I, hopefully, you know, maybe another five or ten years, I might get comfortable. Well, it's been fun to watch this rise to stardom. 86 starts on the PGA Tour, nary a win, nary a top ten, and now four wins on PGA Tour champions. I'm curious, how much is your phone ringing or your agent's phone ringing saying, hey, I want Stephen Auker to wear this on his hat or on his shirt or on his golf bag? No, nothing yet, no. Nothing Bring yet? In Bring in the phone calls. Uh, no, I, I, I don't have an agent for a start. You know, I, I've, I've done my um, own thing and my wife is basically my agent in terms of my travel agent, at least. So, yeah, I mean, that, that stuff um, can come when it wants, but at the moment, you know, as I said, um, I've got my team around me, and, you know, they know who they are, and they're, they're doing a great job, and, and it's, um, I'm just enjoying my time. It's been such a whirlwind um, a trip so far. You know, it's just, you know, it's been amazing. So there hasn't been a lot of time for, for that as well. Stephen, your lead in the Charles Schwab Cup over Miguel Angel Jimenez in second place is as big as the gap between Miguel and the guy in 20th place out there. How much is it on your mind for the Charles Schwab Cup? Yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, it's huge. Langer just um, obviously, you know, that's all he's chasing all year, um, victories in the Schwab Cup. So, yeah, for us, it's a, it's a huge deal. Um, and right now, I mean, I'm still looking at that it's only halfway, not even halfway through the season. So, long way to go. You know, Langer and Miguel and, and Ernie and all these guys are going to be chasing and going hard. So, I'm just going to focus in on giving myself a chance every week to, you know, to win a golf tournament, you know, get some more points for Shrub Cup and then um, and go from there. But, you know, um, I think later in the season is kind of the time to kind of start, maybe start focusing a bit more on that. So, Or maybe not, vice versa. Frank Nabilo, Craig Perks, there have been some fantastic golfers from New Zealand. How much do you get a sense that your story is playing in a big way uh, back home uh, with the Kiwis, or, or are you not hearing much from back home? Yeah, no, it's been amazing, the support. Um, they've obviously kind of woken up to, you know, what, what's going on and, and um, there's some having. So, you know, it was great to catch up with Michael Campbell. There's a, um, one of our major champions back home, and he was kind of like uh, a little surprised himself to to see how well I've been doing. But huge support. You know, I was talking to him yesterday and um, spent some time with them, and they said, you know, that the, the vibes are great back there and, um, and just wishing me the best. Stephen, you finished tied third in your first major at the region's tradition. You've won your second major. And coming from the end of June, there are three straight majors on the Champions Tour with the U.S. Senior Open, the Senior Players Championship, and the Senior British Open. Is there any one of those that you think in the venue particularly sets up well for you or you have a particular affection for? Um, well, obviously, I haven't seen all the golf courses. I've played Glen Eagles, but the other course, the Ryder Cup course... Um, you know, kind of where my game's at right now and, and the state it's in, I guess all of them kind of are, really. Um, and, um, you know, you know that the US Open, they're going to be set up a little different, the rough a bit longer and longer courses. And um, so, you know, there's the there's those factors to take into account. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm just feeling like I think I've adjusted to all the courses, different courses out here in the Champions Tour and to my first two majors. So, yeah, yeah I feel quietly confident, and, um, and I'm looking forward to them because, you know, this is my first time around. Stephen, for the viewer at home, maybe the journeyman or journeywoman in his or her 
own profession. What message would you send uh, about, you know, finding lightning in a bottle at the age of 50 and becoming one of the best at your profession? Yeah, um, you know, stay in shape um, and obviously, you know, keep, keep playing, keep, keep competing. That's the big thing. Um, learning to score, you know, uh, that, that, that's huge. And um, I, I think a lot of what's helped me is uh, the Champions Tour courses are probably very much like what I've been playing, uh, excuse me, from the from the Corn Ferry Tour. So, um, yeah, you know, the transition hasn't been huge for me in terms of playing the golf and, and the golf courses. So, yeah, just, you know, perseverance. I mean, that's the biggest thing for me. I've been at it for 25, 30 years. So a lot of perseverance with a capital P and uh, just keep plugging along and, um, and keep dreaming. Steve, you've em embraced this success on the PGA Tour Champions, but this was the first time that you really played your way in, with a great chance to win a major championship since Stricker kind of ran away with the region's tradition. Were the nerves any different for this win than they'd been in your previous victories? No, I, I was very calm, to be honest. And, and maybe that was because I was, you know, four back and having to chase. Um, you know, I've found there's, you know, when you're leading, I've been leading a couple going into the last day, you know, there's, there's a little bit more, feels like pressure on yourself. But um, I, I knew what I had to do. I knew I had to make up ground and just enjoyed, um, enjoyed um, eating and hunting and being in the heat. Steven, it's been fun watching your renaissance as a player. Congratulations on being a major championship winner, and I imagine we will speak to you soon. Oh, thanks, guys. Good.